You've reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. On this episode of Hey Mitch, we have author Austin R. German. Um, unfortunately, the audio isn't so great. There was some internet problems, so uh, there are parts where uh, the background feedback or some kind of noise was just, it, it can be a little overbearing. So uh, if you don't listen to the whole podcast, make sure you check out his website for his books, austinrgerman.bigcartel.com. Thank you, and here's the show. Hey, Mitch! Welcoming to the show today is Austin German author who used to be a resident of Yuma, Arizona. How's it going? Hey, how have you been? Pretty good. So, I just woke up from a nap. So. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, a few yeah. weeks ago, we had Anthony Fornoff on here, and he was he is the illustrator on your newest book, um, Lunar Dreams. Yes. And uh, Anthony's he, a great guy. <laughs> You know, yeah, he's been on he's been on the show a few times. This time was the first time he had a project that he wanted to talk about. But um, this is your third book, right? Uh, technically, yes, but in reality, no. Oh, okay. I had some uh, I had some previous ones when I was a lot younger. Um, kind of got uh, hacked by uh, a publishing company that was swindling people. Ooh. So I don't really talk about those that much. But yeah, technically it's my third. Okay. Book, so, so between uh, Dead Diaries, Perennial Harvest, and, and Lunar Dreams, like, do you have an overall theme, or is there just uh, what comes um, to you in that in that moment? Probably a little bit of both. Um, Perennial Harvest just came about because there was a story in my head for a long time I wanted to uh, get down on paper, and the first version of it was actually called The Surrounding. And um, I got that one kind of out there, rough draft, and then I decided to change it to perennial harvest and focus more on like the plant aspect of it. Um, after that, it was Dead Diaries, and that whole theme was just 10 short horror stories. And I was really pleased with that one, turned out really good. The newest one, Lunar Dreams, I probably wrote that um, in a span of like four to five months. And in the beginning, it was just going to be the short stories that are in it was just going to be part of Dead Diaries 2. But I don't know if I'm going to write that ever. So I wanted to get them out. And then the poems that are in it are basically um, some trials and tribulations and some pretty heavy emotional stuff that I went through in the past uh, year and a half. Okay. So, I mean, is, is, is most of your writing pulled from your own personal life in that way or... Is it more? Um, 
the poetry is the stories are like like perennial harvest or the short stories basically are just uh what i'm influenced by like a horror um sci-fi some action adventure but uh yeah it's just it's kind of crazy um basically just what influences me and then i just want to write it down if i don't write what i'm thinking it kind of drives me crazy so i have to get it out there (laughs) so is that the more the way that you you prefer to write is in in short story form like that anthology kind of form or is it uh at at first i didn't want to but i found it was easier for me um one of my friends uh patrick um he told me he's like dude it's so good but i could seriously see the hamburger man being a longer novel and that's like the longest short story i wrote that one's i think 30 pages or Mm -hmm. something like that so it really just depends on my mood, and um, I don't really use like a, an outline or anything. I pretty much just go straight to the paper from my head. Okay. And then I go back. Then I go back, and I make little notes or an outline. But at first, it's all just straight. One day I can write like three chapters. Another day it's going to be a sentence or just one paragraph. So. And then do you do you put? Uh, do you have a certain order that you want the stories to appear in, in, in the books or is it just what came first goes um, down first in Dead Diaries I did I don't know if Anthony noticed it when he read it but at the end of each um, story I lead into the following one Okay. so like at the end of Hamburger Man I think the last sentence was like and the stair- stairs of her life will creak with sorrow for her for the remainder of her days and then the next story was called The Stairs. Mm. So I, I kind of go into it like like that. That's very cool. Now, yeah. talking about mood, do you, do you have a ritual or any any way of getting into the mood for writing for yourself? Or is it more uh, just what when it hits you, it's um, time to write? For the poems and poetry, I listen to a lot of music. I'm a huge music person. And I have a large scale of music. It's pretty broad um for normal writing like the stories basically it just has to be quiet and i'll have like either some tea or a glass of milk and just sit here and and write so usually uh just relaxing uh environment or uh intense environment i mean is is, when you're when you're sitting down to write what do you need to have a certain mood um i need to be in the right headset i need to be kind of not upset with anything outside of the writing like any stuff at work or anything that's happening personally i just need to clear my mind and get ready for the characters that i'm trying to present indeed so mostly like uh sometimes i'll read to my dog titan i'll read it out loud or i'll have him next to me and i'll pet him but other than that it's basically just dead silent and uh, just get into it to start writing. And uh, when you're, when you did, was it something that started you on this road of, of writing, or was it more? Uh, um, you saw it in you saw it, it actually, in you. It was actually probably got real into it, well, a little bit before skateboarding, and then I, when skateboarding took over my life, I kind of took a hiatus from writing. But sixth grade, I won a poetry contest. I wrote this poem about a girl and that kind of set me in place like hey he's really good at writing and stuff and 
throughout like I remember fourth and fifth grade the teachers were really surprised by my writing and um, they kept telling my mom and my grandma like hey he's really good at creating stuff you need to keep an eye on him and like maybe nurture this like you know and um, in high school I met a teacher named Dr. Parker and she kind of set me on my way like if you just do your homework you'd be a great writer and you're already a great writer blah 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 and she kind of put in perspective for me and then I was wearing um, this shirt from uh, Timian Square I think was the name of it about uh, the guy that stood in front of the tank right and uh, it said stand for something or fall for anything and my math teacher said you know what you're really terrible at math everybody knows that if you write an essay on what that shirt means to you and why you wear that I'll pass you wow and so all my yeah all my teachers just knew that I was good at writing and they always kind of um, encouraged me along to keep at it so that's kind of where it happened poet poetry and then just teachers pushing me and recognizing that I was good at writing and stuff so and how how long after uh, after high school did you publish your first uh, first work um, probably during that company which was called Publish America that is in court right now and all this other craziness um, they were the ones that were swindling people but I got picked up by them and supposedly got this book published <laughs> and that was like one year after high school but Perennial Harvest came out um, in 2016 so I graduated in 09 so long time okay yeah so I mean I don't know how much you want to you want to speak about that first company but like did that whole process sour you on the on the the idea um, of, of I publishing was su- I was super young so it didn't sour me it just made me realize like don't be stupid mm-hmm. you know um, like right now what happened um, ever since let's see so I went to this convention called Rock and Shock which I'm actually vending at this year with with Anthony but my first convention was actually in 2016 when um, Printer Harvest came out and I remember going to see my family in Massachusetts and going to the convention and seeing um, this writer uh, this guy there that came out with Prince of Pieces it's called and his name is Sam Marizadino he's an awesome guy he just came out with if you give a bear a bong if you give a bunny a beer really funny books and um I started talking to him and he kind of gave me um, inspiration like hey anybody can do this anybody can vend at a convention so then I that's when I started doing dead diaries I started writing that I went to rock and shock again a few years later and met two other authors named um, Adam Caesar and Patrick Lacey and got two of their books started reading what what their how they write and everything and I realized like hey if these guys can do it I can do it too so um, here I am this year, finally flying over there with my books. So, so that's kind of been, kind of been like the uh, process of that, like just realizing now that I can do this and it's something that I'm capable of. I mean, that sounds like a, a great story in itself. I mean, yeah. uh, so when you were, when you're sitting down to write, what's the what's the part that you find the easiest for yourself? Uh, description 
description, like descri- describing the scene, just describing a, per- describing a person. Describing scene, char- characters, and the flow of it. And then I come to dialogue, and then I always laugh. I can't put that in. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> just because I talk like that, this character is not going to talk like that. So, so that's you, kind of the hard part. Do you go into a lot of research for, like, specifically dialect from different regions of the world or regions of the uh, country? Yes, I, um, I don't know uh, if you've read all of Dead Diaries or if you've read it or, or not. I did um, buy it. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. The the story, the dress, uh-huh. um, when the wife is speaking Latin, I actually looked up Latin and put that in there. Um, I do, so in Dead Diaries, all the places, all the settings that it takes place, I've actually been at. Each story, I've been to those places. And each story in Dead Diaries actually has some um, bit of truth in it. Which is pretty cool, based on real real events that occurred. And to uh, to strengthen your your writing skill, do you do you have any um, drills or you know do, do you do any practices like just like uh, a thing a day where you know there's a prompt a day kind of thing or anything like that? Do you do you do anything um, to to work on that? I read I read every day. Okay. Um, uh, either in the morning or right before I go to bed I always read um, in the mornings usually I'm reading like a little bit of Rumi um, or some inspirational stuff and then like right now I'm reading a Clive Barker book uh, The Damnation Game and I just finished a, a Dean Coons book too so I think as long as um, I think Stephen King said it that you have to read a lot if you want to write because you can't write if you don't read <laughs> I mean that makes sense that makes complete sense yeah. so is that where you your your um, preferences tend to lie is with uh, kind of that horror genre that Koontz and Stephen King and Clyde um, Barker yes, exist in? Yes, but I also love uh, Michael Creighton. I like um, this Taylor Caldwell. I just read some of her books. Um, of course, uh, Ray Bradbury. I like mo- most of his. Um, there's so many H.G. Wells, you know, all the old, all the old dudes. Um, <laughs> Henry David Thoreau, I like a lot. And uh, yeah, there's just too many, man. I can't think right now. There's just too, too many that I love. Hey, that's that's awesome. A big variety of uh, authors is, is an amazing thing. Um, yeah. When you when you go to conventions, like, are you looking at other people's works? What I mean, books that they're doing. You know, other people that are putting um, stuff yes, out. Yes, that's. Um, couple of them I was like really uh, and I never want to bash any other authors because I think writing is super important not enough people even read nowadays so it's really important that reading and writing and books keep being made and I would never want to bash any authors or anything like that but some of it when I read it I'm like really this is what like they're known like this is this is like what considered excellent for this genre or like I don't know. It kind of bothers me, but I'm just like, no, it's okay. You know, I'm young. I hope my day will come. And if it doesn't, I'm still going to keep writing. You know, I'm never not going to write. So when you're creating these characters, do you see, do you see them in your head first? Do you need to, do you need to draw out anything or is it all straight words to the page? Uh, For Dead Diaries, Almost everybody in there was uh, based on a real person I've met. So uh, my job outside of writing, well, I've actually written for iHorror.com too. That was pretty cool. 
and I almost wrote for Fangoria. That was my dream. Ooh. I was so happy that I was getting emails by Fangoria, and I was like, yes, this is freaking awesome. I, I can't wait, and then they pick some other guys, but it's cool. I mean, I'm glad that I was even on their radar for a little bit. And uh, But outside of all this, I work for Lowe's, and I'm a delivery truck driver, and I've been with them for almost 10 years. And uh, the people I come in contact with and I would make little notes in my phone. I'm gonna use that person as a character. And that's kind of how Dead Diaries and uh, some of the characters in Lunar Dreams actually came about because of people I come in contact with. That's pretty awesome. So yeah. in your your process, your journey of, of getting to where you're at, like what has been the biggest surprise for you in writing? Uh, probably being um, headed out to do this convention and just meeting a lot of other authors um, up here in the Seattle area has been pretty cool. So I'm slowly snaking my way into this garden of authors, so I'm hoping for the best. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you do you do you find yourself like gravitating to these authors, or do you do you guys meet up and do you do you discuss things? Do you do you even talk about your your projects with other people before they they're um, out i do and i feel like uh, whatever people believe in god or the cosmos or whatever somehow i'm like skimming the top right now and running into the right people that are guiding me the right way so i feel like this is i'm getting a chance and a shot and i don't want to miss it so i've been trying just to buckle down and really focus on this convention and even making um friends with that guy from um the first rock and shock sam i mean we talk all the time on facebook and stuff and we're still in contact and it's good to have these contacts and just be in that creative uh environment with other creative people so at rock and shock this this year are you gonna have your own panel as well as your own uh, table uh no just my own table so what uh what do you plan to get out of having your table having that kind of exposure just exposure yeah i just yeah i just i'm just excited for the chance to be there the exposure and just hopefully get a couple heads at the table and if anything just give them like my uh, author card even if they don't buy anything at least they saw me and maybe my my name because i have a real weird last name austin german you know <laughs> maybe the maybe they'll recognize that on down the line you know oh cool i remember that guy was at rock and shock but Where's Rock and Shock again? Just just so we uh, we'll go to, uh, over Mass- it again later. Um, Worcester, Massachusetts. That's right. And what's the date? Yeah. Uh, I'll be there um, October 11th through the 13th. Okay. Um, yeah. What's the what's the biggest obstacle that you've come across yourself in in, in your writing journey? Probably conventions. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, that and just being in the headspace to write because um, Perennial Harvest took six years for me to complete. Dead Diaries took a year and Lunar Dreams took uh, like four or five months. So it's all been different. Each one has been totally different. And uh, Lunar Dreams is actually probably the m- most personal one I've ever written. So I'm a little nervous about getting it out there but a lot of my uh, friends that I um, sent some of the poems to and family members were like no you need to release them because if somebody's gone through what you've gone through this may be able to help them a little bit or like give them some inspiration so I was like all right yeah I mean I guess so (laughs) (laughs) 
with Lunar Dreams being so personal, I mean, is well, first, is that one out for sale yet? Uh, it should be within the week. Okay. Um, this is going to go out a- on Friday, so. Okay. They're sending me a finalized one, and then uh, I'll just say yes or no, but I'm pretty sure, yeah, it'll be like a week a week or so that it should be available. Okay. Um, and it's only gonna it's only gonna be in paperback form. Okay. Forms. Why is it that this one so Why is this one so more personal for you than than the other your other works? Um, I was reading a thing the other day that said that uh, authors write from empathy, but I think it's also more experience too. And um, so last year I moved from Yuma to uh, up here to Washington and. Uh, I knew I always wanted out of the desert, and I was seeing this girl at the time that had family up here, and so I was, I was like, all right, if you want to go up there where your family is, I'm, I'm down too, and um, not to like get too crazier into it, just uh, we didn't work out. She had a lot of uh, demons and stuff, and uh, she's doing good now, I hope. But um, I would write the poetry about like internal stuff with me that I couldn't really talk to her about. Um, we were never really good at um, communicating or anything. And most of the time it was me trying to uh, talk to a, a brick wall. <laughs> so I would write instead of um, discuss things. And then um, when when all when all that went down and then I finally I had my own place and I was going on with my life, I met another girl and um, I love The Simpsons, so I'll make like a Simpsons reference. Um, the episode where uh, Ruth Powers moves next door and uh, Bart falls in love with her daughter, and she basically tells Bart, "You won't be needing this anymore," and rips <laughs> his heart out of his chest in the treehouse. Um, that's kind of what happened to me. So, uh, Lunar Dreams is actually like a big kind of like a metaphor for my experience and love or relationships even though there's like scary stories in it and some like scary poems and stuff um it's all like one big metaphor for love and death at the same time so So what coming out of that you know uh you you said you had your your issues with uh, communication but obviously this is your way of expressing your emotions and stuff coming out of that what did what did you discover about yourself and your your emotions coming uh finishing up lunar dreams uh there's always got to be boundaries and communication and don't just uh be with somebody like for the sake of being with somebody um i'm like an empath and i thought i could help her and um her child especially and uh yeah you just can't um it's either going to be there with somebody or it's not and uh you can't make somebody care about you or love you and if they want to move on then they move on and and you move on and you know i don't hold anything against them and if they're listening i wish you guys the best and i hope you guys have um find somebody that you love or if you want to be alone do it that way too you know I don't hold any more ill feelings towards them or anything, and uh, I wish them the best. Did when um, when you were when you finished up uh, Lunar Dreams? Did did you feel like that was the end of that uh, chapter in your life, or do you feel like there's still something there uh, you didn't excise at all? No, it's it's done. It's it's over with. Um, I got all of my emotions out through the uh, paper, like in the introduction of Lunar Dreams. 
right before the story and poems actually start, I have a whole introduction, two-page introduction where I talk about it. And, um, you know, um, one of my other friends had told me that uh, you should go someplace where memories are and just leave them there, like uh, let the memories stay, good or bad. And I kind of, that was kind of like me sitting in stone, writing the poetry, writing the stories. Um, there's one called The Bear and the Gypsy that are that's in Lunar Dreams. And at the end, um, the main character kind of realizes, like, you just grow what you go through, kind of, you know. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much just done, you know. Everything that I've ever said or done with both parties involved, it's all just water under the bridge now, so. Fair. Okay, so getting on to a little bit more of a, a lighter topic, yeah. uh, you're, you're, you, you talked about skateboarding earlier, like do the two go together, do the, for you, uh, you know, in a way, like skateboarding and writing, do, do they help each other, do they complement each other in any way? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, so uh, I started skateboarding when I was in junior high and haven't stopped since, and uh Skateboarding teaches you a lot about dedication, perseverance, and what you're capable of. And so with writing, like, you have to tell yourself, no, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to write, I'm going to do this. That's kind of with skating. You see, a, like, a trick you want to do, you're going to hit the ledge or the uh, ramp or you hit the rail, and it's like, no, I'm learning all of this for the first time. And then as you keep skating, you're like, I'm going to do this trick here, I know that I can, and you push yourself. It's all about perseverance and just kind of like believing you know so I think it goes hand in hand with writing where I have to basically tell myself no you know you can do it you sit down you're gonna write this it's something that you're passionate about you love to do it just do it no excuses and do you do you find yourself uh throwing in any uh skateboarding into your your stories no, because a lot of people don't understand the terminology. But uh-huh. what I do like, what I do like to do is, like I said, I'm a huge Simpsons fan. My favorite band is Led Zeppelin, um, so I incorporate some stuff like that into each story, into into the stories, or I try, or I try to. And I also love hiking and nature, so a lot of my um, poems have a lot of uh, a nature feel to it. A lot of uh, metaphorical. Um, nature that's that i incorporate in there okay that that sounds that sounds amazing that sounds pretty great uh other 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 things that you love you love to do because we love to talk about what creatives love to geek out about what what is it that you know really gets you going or gets you uh up in arms uh up in arms uh not i mean me and my roommate, I'm a huge movie person. I have like over probably 800 DVDs and Blu-rays and stuff and a collector in that too. Um, I collect, uh, well, right now I'm almost done with the whole um, first edition Goosebumps and oh. uh, Batman the Animated Series and Spider-Man the Animated Series. I'm collecting those action figures from my childhood. They're hanging up on the wall. Um, I have uh, Pinhead and Freddy Krueger and Beetlejuice still uh, carded in the box, hanging up. Um, I have a couple autographs. I mean, I met Stan Lee, which was awesome. I have a huge uh, Spider-Man encyclopedia signed by him. Um, I actually have a Dean Koontz book autographed by Dean Koontz. Um, 
Oh, John Saul. I forgot about John Saul. He's good, too. I have an autograph book by him. Stuff like that I'm into. I'm a huge collector. Um, okay, so... Gaming, you're... I have, like, an N64 original Nintendo PS4. Wow. So, I guess you could say I'm a geek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you fit right in, then. Uh, you're, yeah. With your collecting, like, what is it that... Uh, is there something lethargic to collecting items like what, what is it that you get out of of collecting these things i i don't know somebody asked me the other day and i kind of was drew a blank i couldn't really answer it just i like to do it i like looking at them i like having them i like knowing about them um I'm trying to look around my apartment right now um uh, like i have some skate decks so i met the whole zero team and Jamie Thomas and Brockman and Cole and everybody, uh, Sandoval autographed uh, this huge light um, thing that I have with the zero with Jamie Thomas doing a 180 switch nose grind on the handrail. And they autographed that. I have a John Alley board that's autographed by him. And basically, I hold on to my skate stuff and I have decks hanging up on the wall because um, skateboarding helped me a lot through life when my parents got separated. And um, looking at that stuff and remembering those guys and to to me and my friends they're basically legends you know like Corey Duffel I modeled myself so hard after Corey Duffel and uh, Jamie Thomas and that's who I wanted to be you know Eric Ellington I looked up to all the way they dressed their style and it's pretty crazy so I hang on to all that stuff because it reminds me like um, going through those times and uh, the artwork on the boards is really awesome too so when you're skating does does uh does it help you clear your mind or does it help you organize your thoughts or neither um basically well i'm injured right now my foot's finally a little bit better um when i skate it's just uh all i think about is tricks or all i think about is just fun um back in the day it was more of uh more not competitive but every time I step on it, it do, it does kind of clear my mind. I don't really think about anything except just smiling. Uh, my roommate, he's probably he's like my best friend up here, man. I can't couldn't ask for a better roommate. Um, we met at the skate park actually, and uh, we go skate all the time. And um, he's only I think he's 24, 25. I can't remember, but <laughs> I'm almost thir- I'm almost 30, and. Uh, I'm really excited that I get to skate with him and, you know, have somebody that has the same thrive because all my friends either live in Phoenix, Yuma, or California. And um, I feel really blessed that I can still even skate with people that, you know, have the same drive as I do and just out there for fun. We don't have to record everything all the time. It's just out there forgetting the world for a little bit, you know, just having fun with your your friends. Awesome. Okay, so... Uh, you big movie fan. What what's t- what's top five? Top five favorite movies? Sure. It doesn't have to be oh. any particular order. Just top five. Oh man, that's hard. Okay, so um, if we're talking horror, I can do the horror one. Sure. Um, okay, so number number five would probably man, this is crazy. Probably Scream. Oh, I five. love the Scream movies. Um, number four. Hellraiser. Number three, uh, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Wow. Uh, number two, 
probably a tie between uh, Sinister or Lights Out. And I would put Michael Myers, because I love Michael Myers, but number one would have to be Nightmare on Elm Street. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I mean, I noticed in a lot of these, uh, a lot of your, your titles here are, are more of the older classic horror movies, Hellraiser, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street, but you did throw in Lights Out and Sinister, which are relatively new. Um, Lights Out was badass. That, <laughs> that blew me out of the water. I, I was not expecting... even. Like a lot of the new horror movies, they don't even come together at the end, or they're just kind of stupid or like fizzle out. But that one was really awesome, in my opinion. So then, uh, it's Adam Sandberg, uh, the director yeah. of that. Uh, you know, goes on to make uh, Shazam. How, how did you get, have a chance to watch that? Did you? No, I didn't. But I did thought I did like the movie. Talking about that reminds me of the other guy, um, Watts or Waits. I remember his name, but. He did that movie, The Clown, or Clown, and then he went on to do Spider-Man: um, Homecoming. Right, the same, same dude. So I think that's interesting how they go from that to the superhero. Yeah, because James Wan, you know, known for all those horror movies, goes on to make yeah, Aquaman. Aquaman. Yeah, yeah. So, so it, there's this weird uh, correlation between making horror movies and then going on to make superhero movies. So I, I do find that interesting. I totally forgot about James Wan, man. Saw badass, yeah. freaking conj- conjuring, so sick. Like conjuring, I remember sitting in the theater. And I wasn't scared, scared, but the dude next to me, like, was making weird hand gestures in the air and like sucking in air. And I was like, dude, it's not that. I mean, it's scary. Nobody's ever seen something like that before. Back, back before all of the jump out scenes are played out, kind of now. But uh, yeah, that guy next to me was just hyperventilating, dude. He was so terrified. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, and, and, you know, James Wan going on to make a, basically a conjuring universe, cinematic universe with all those other movies, oh, yeah. with The Nun, you have uh, La Llorona. The Nun was pretty good. I, yeah, I didn't see The Llorona, actually. But yeah, they're all connected in some way. What's the, the, the doll, Annabelle, Annabelle's also Annabelle, in there. Annabelle, yeah. yeah. So, so it's, it's, it, I think that's pretty impressive uh, for a horror genre i mean we don't usually see that i mean you see franchises like you got the friday the 13th franchise it's gone on pretty far and then you have the nightmare on elm street franchise has gone pretty far but no it looks like you timed out oh did i did you am i not yeah. you not hear me anymore okay there i can hear you now oh, okay good i said i didn't hear what the last sentence or oh it was just i was just basically saying how you see a lot of franchises especially in horror movies how they go sequels for so long but you don't uh, you don't see them having building out a world like James Wan has done with The Conjuring. Yeah, for sure. I was super, super upset with the newest um, Halloween movie. I don't know why everybody liked that one so much. I just I didn't like. I honestly just felt like it was a remake of the first, the original Halloween movie. Like a lot of the things yeah, are exactly the, the, the first same. Two almost, yeah. Yeah. So. And then, and the new Hellraiser shouldn't even have the Hellraiser name on it man i hope clive barker gets the rights back to that because they just bastardized butchered it i do it's terrible i do believe he did get the rights back to it but i'm not sure i'm not positive about that so what about a uh, nightmare on elm street remake reboot what how do you feel about that you know freaking um robert england said he wanted kevin bacon to play him i heard in about an that. article i read the other day and i was you know Kevin Bacon's tight, you know. I love Tremors. Tremors know, is one other, of my all-time favorites. 
Yeah, you know, and he started off in horror when he he was in the original Friday the 13th, yeah. so um, I could see him possibly pulling it off. And I did like Jackie Earl Haley as Freddy Krueger, but I didn't like the makeup effects, and I think they were trying too hard with, Same. with that one. But, um, yeah, man, it's just it's crazy. I mean, I, I, can, I can only imagine that someone over at New Line is, is thinking about making a, another Elm Street movie. I mean, the property's been kind of cold Dream. for a while. Yeah, Dream Warriors is actually my favorite one out of all out of all the Nightmare on Elm Streets. Nice. That one's so cool with the docking <laughs> soundtrack. Man, it's so sick. <laughs> so, but what about these more uh, current or modern day horror movies? What, how do you feel about the It franchise? Okay, so I read the book and um, I was really actually satisfied with the newest It. Um, I didn't see the second chapter yet. I'm probably going to today or Monday, maybe. Um, But the first one, I remember uh, sitting in the theater watching Annabelle Creation and they had the first uh, five minutes of the movie or first 15 minutes of the movie before um, Annabelle Creation started. And I remember looking at, um, turning over to my friend and I was like, Dude, that's like the paragraph for paragraph of the book. I can't believe how um, they're honoring the book so good. And they did. Did an excellent, excellent job. Uh, Muschetti, or I don't know how to say his last name. He did Mama. Yeah. With uh, Jessica Chastain. So, so awesome. Um, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark was the biggest letdown (laughs) I think I've ever, ever went to, man. That was terrible 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 um train to basan really really good so there's international ones that i like too so train to basan um veronica that one was good uh so how do you feel about them doing an american remake of train to basan no when i read that i was like no leave (laughs) let let those places have their their stuff dude you don't have to americanize everything you can read subtitles like i still watch the original godzilla's in the japanese form i think they're the best that's the only way to watch godzilla movies because the new ones are just not that good (laughs) and the newest one was way better than gareth edwards dude i don't know why uh the first godzilla with um aaron taylor johnson and uh elizabeth olsen yeah that one was terrible man super like sucky and then the newest one all the monster fights are awesome yeah you know and i feel like that way with with kong skull island why peter jackson did a phenomenal phenomenal job and here's like oh samuel jackson is pissed about a monkey i don't i don't understand dude i really i really don't (laughs) so let me ask you this since you're you're a horror writer what what do you think it is that that speaks to people about horror? Because like, some of those movies are the the ones that are you know make the most money sometimes, and they uh, I a little bit of back history on me for seven years when I lived in Phoenix, I worked at a blockbuster video for kids that oh, awesome. don't understand what a blockbuster video is. Instead of <laughs> instead of going to Netflix, I blockbuster video and Hollywood video, man. Yeah, instead of going on to Netflix, you actually walked into a building and picked up a, a DVD, but those movies yeah. were the ones that were always rented out the most like horror movies were always rented out the most people would always come up to me and ask me to recommend them a horror movie and most of the time people aren't satisfied because for whatever reason they don't they it, they didn't it didn't scare them enough but what is it that about horror movies and being scared do you think speaks to people um 
I know for my writing, if I ever said that I had an agenda, it's just to uh, kind of shake people up like I want to scare them. But also, like, there's actual real horrors that happen in real life. So if maybe they want to take a step back and just be scared for the fun of it, knowing that it's not really going to hurt them. Um, I think right now that it's just making a lot of money, though, because a lot of the, like, we were talking about James Wan or the mainstream um, horror movies. A lot of people now are just banking on the um, paranormal activity or being possessed and stuff and you know there's gonna be some that's that slip by and people aren't gonna realize it that they were actually really good too but um I think people like to be scared because it takes them away from real life stuff that that scares them yeah like and, you, uh, there are people that are you know honestly afraid about where you know where their next rent check's going to come from or you know who, who's mm-hmm. going to who's going to protect their kids if if they pass away for some reason and stuff like that. So how do you think how do you feel you break through those those everyday fears, those everyday real fears and then are able to con- connect with a with a, a reader? Um well I know for like the hamburger man and uh the new story in Lunar Dreams called The Mattress um I scared the crap out of my grandma um, with those. A couple of my friends were like, wow, that that's like, we work with this guy? Like, maybe we should watch <laughs> out for him. And I was like, it's all imagination, all right? I'm not, I'm not crazy. Maybe a little bit, but, you know. And um, I think it's because uh, I know, like, when I'm writing and I have, like, my audience in my mind is if you're, like, alone and somebody knocks at your door, well, obviously, you know, somebody's on the other side of that door, but it's the journey of turning the knob and that space between opening and actually confronting what's on the other side. That's the real terrifying part that you have to go through. So I think um, that's the important piece that people want to take that journey. They want to, you know, people go see Friday the 13th. Well, they're going for the nudity or they just want to see all these stupid kids die. So, you know, <laughs> that's going to entertain one or the other, you know. But I think, like, real good horror, real good writing, um, you're going to touch the audience. You're going to make them feel something. And I think it did a good job with you're investing in these kids. You can feel for the kids. If you don't have any feeling for the character, you forget about them and you forget about the story. You kind of just, oh, that was a good hour and a half of whatever, you know. But if they need to be invested, you have to feel something or um, your audience, the reader, is not going to escape. You're not going to transport them like you're trying to do. Okay. So what about you? What 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 scares you? Uh, birds. Birds? Yeah. Is that's there, one of my phobias. Is there a story behind that um, or has it just always been birds for you? Just at Cibola getting attacked by the stupid little owls. Um getting crapped on when I went fishing in Colorado and I don't really like heights so like they can fly and you know like so there's actually a a poem in Lunar Dreams about a cemetery and I was uh, walking through it with my dog and yeah I got attacked by freaking um, ravens or the the um, yeah ravens that we have up here like it's freaking crazy (laughs) (laughs) So have you got ravens and and crows, man? (laughs) Have you gone back and and have you ever watched uh, 
Alfred Hitchcock's uh, The Birds. Oh, yeah. It's, it's one of my favorite movies. Actually, yeah. I love Alfred Hitchcock. And it's Crows or Miami Jeepers Creepers. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, not the third one so much. I actually met um, Brick, Brickheimer, I think is his last name. Jonathan Breck. Maybe Breckheimer. I can't remember. But I met him. He was a really cool dude. Um, yeah, I've met so many people at Rock and Shock, man. George Romero. I mean, there's Adam Adam Green, the Hatchet franchise. There's so many good, good people out there. Really good. And they're nice, too. But uh, funny story, the first celebrity I ever met was actually Tracy Lords. And I don't oh, know wow. if the younger... Yeah, I don't <laughs> know if the younger people listening will know who that is, but... Man, I was so nervous, and I was trying to get the autograph for my dad, and uh, I was talking to her, and dude, she's like just as beautiful as you would think, man. It was so nerve-wracking, and she's tall, and I really like legs and stuff, and she has nice legs, and I was just like, <laughs> man, I'm going to faint over here. I don't know how to approach, and she, nobody was in line for her either. She was just at her own table, her own booth, and I was like, ah, you know, um, that Johnny Depp movie that she's in, uh, Cry Baby, yep. you know? I was just like, man, this is freaking nuts, dude. <laughs> that was my that was my first experience ever and the first celebrity I ever met. And then I went on to meet the guy that played Daredevil. He was awesome, uh, Charlie Cox. Right. And uh, Stan Lee was cool, but man, I felt bad for him because you know he was like 94 at the time, and uh, he didn't move. Somebody was helping him autograph his name because of how old he was. And then, oh yeah, I met Tim Curry. That Ooh, was wow. awesome. Yeah, and he actually had just gotten out of the hospital, so he was in a wheelchair, but I'll never forget shaking his hand and making eye contact with Tim Curry, and he was, like, so happy that I was that I was there, that somebody was in line to, to meet him. It was really, really cool. I mean, talk about so. the original person to scare, scare us as children, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. And then you can't, can't forget uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, man. That's, like, the best musical ever. <laughs> <laughs> crazy man uh, yeah no it definitely um so of all yeah the, i feel no go I ahead feel pretty blessed though man that i've been able to do all that stuff and meet these people and make connections and it's just been the last four years have just been insane for me and it's it's been really great so um what's the then, what's your biggest uh prize possession of your collectibles either autographs or uh boards or or movies that's hard that's that's hard because uh what's the one thing you're grabbing if your your place happens to start you know catch on fire oh man i can't even i don't even know um after your dog of course so my fate probably okay since we've been talking about horror and i'm i'm probably gonna be like pigeonholed as the uh horror author but it's cool so peter <laughs> jackson had a movie called dead um dead, dead alive, alive. yeah and that movie is awesome <laughs> and out of all my movies and all my horror movies i would probably grab that one because it's like out of print yeah but it's not it's it's my it's not my prize prize possession oh man i don't even know uh probably my skate decks because those can't be replaced and man, I don't know either. My the Stanley Spider Man or the Dean Koontz book I have autographed. Um, <laughs> that's hard, man. That's really hard. I mean, I have renter's insurance and stuff, but I hope that never happens. I hope uh, if I have kids one day or no kids, because I mean, I don't. That's not really. I don't know if I want any kids or not, but 
you know, I mean, I know I can't be buried with this stuff, but you know, my apartment, my old house in Arizona is basically a museum and, uh, I don't know. I could leave it to one of my sisters or something, but I hope nothing ever catches on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure nothing like that will, will happen. So I, I didn't want to put it out there in the, in the ether. I just wanted to, wanted to prompt you, but I mean, why not have it buried with you? I don't see why it worked for the Egyptians. Dude, yeah, true. That'd be crazy, man. I don't know. If I had to get buried with one of my skate decks, it'd probably be either the one I skated New York with or uh, my Colin Provost uh, toy machine Led Zeppelin graphic. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, crazy. <laughs> Okay, going forward, uh, you know, after Lunar Dreams, in, if you don't want to talk about future projects, you don't have to. But what, where do you see yourself going forward in, in your writing? Uh, I am actually working on one called The Feed that takes place up here. Um, it takes place if anybody wants to look anything up, because I mean, I do a ton of research before I start actual like settings and stuff. Um, it takes place in a fictional town up here called Slumberland, but I based it on a town called Carnation, and it's called The Feed, and it's about a lake monster. And I'll just leave it at that for now, but... Um, are we talking about one all, long story, or are we talking about more several short long, okay. long, long story. Yeah, um, it's almost complete. It's almost done. I got sidetracked um, doing Lunar Dreams instead, and I'm really happy with Lunar Dreams. Um, even though it's really personal, I'm still really excited for it. Um, I love the cover. I don't know how many people are familiar with uh, that little children's rhyme, uh, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Uh -huh. um, the cover kind of reflects that, so that's pretty cool because, you know, life is but a dream, lunar dreams. Right. And uh, I, I named it Lunar Dreams just because I can't sleep at night. And you know how, like, the moon kind of affects the ocean and stuff, so it's kind of like lunar dreams you know it affects my mind and um the only thing i'm working on is just uh getting promoting that and uh hopefully finishing the feed hopefully by february by my birthday that's my my goal but if i don't reach it i'm just kind of uh i want this one to be really good so i'm kind of taking my time i know the first the first chapter or the second chapter of my newest one the feed i don't really like so I'm gonna have to try to work on that, fix fix that. Um, Lunar Dreams, I like everything in it. I'm really satisfied with it, except for the second story. I wasn't, uh, I know it's not my best work and it sounds kind of uh, preachy, but oh well. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, Perennial Harvest was six years, and then Dead Diaries was a year, and and uh, Lunar Dreams was six months. Sounds like you're doing you're doing less and less, you know, time in be oh, yeah. to finish books. Um, the feed will be her hoping to be done by February. When you, yeah, at least a rough draft. Hopefully, did you do you take that into account when you're writing? Do you take into account like that you're you're speeding along quicker, or do you just? Get it done when you get it done. I honestly, I don't even notice, man. I just go by the seat of my pants most of the time. I just <laughs> go for it whenever I get the little itch to write, and hopefully, I can get it done. Um, I was really wanting to go to Rock and Shock to vend 
So I think that's why I pushed myself for Lunar Dreams, because I really wanted to take something new, not just Dead Diaries. I wanted to take something new with me up there. And uh, when I hit up Anthony about doing the artwork, I was like, how perfect would that be to have the author and the illustrator side by side um, signing copies and promoting each other's work? And I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a great time. Not that uh, an adaptation is the end goal or anything, but when you were writing uh, any one of these, did you have any ideas or hopes for an adaptation to TV or movies? Or, you know, did you, you ever see um, any particular I, actor? I, I do, actually. Um, so in Hamburger Man, the first story in Dead Diaries, I actually pictured Hamburger Man as James McAvoy. Wow. Actually. Yeah, that'd be awesome if that ever got way up there. If, like you said, New Line or even Fangoria or um, Blumhouse, any of those guys ever pick me up, oh man, that'd be a dream come true. Um, but uh, any ad- adaptations, like it'd be cool to see some of my work, maybe like how Clive Barker's is, like turn it into an actual um, comic book or even like uh, any like even a low budget movie if they did it right you know i don't i don't know but uh it'd be cool if that if that happened a graphic novel you know that'd be cool but um i mean i would hope and dream that i could be picked up by like an actual publishing publishing company or get a little bit of recognition and stuff but if it doesn't i'm still going to keep writing you know i'm never not going to write so so when you're was was the James McAvoy thing uh, in your head when you were writing it, or only after you finished writing? No, while I was writing it. So because I had watched, I had watched him in Filth, which was crazy. That movie was insane. Yeah. And then um, there was one other one that I saw him in where I was like, you know what? He and it wasn't Split. It might have been Split. I can't remember. Can't remember. But I've always liked him since. Uh, I think he was in Wanted. Wasn't he in Wanted? Yeah, he also? was in Wanted. Yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, I don't know. I, it was between it was between him when I was trying to think of a character between him and the guy that plays uh, Zod and Superman. Um, oh, Michael Shannon. I forgot his name. Yeah, and I decided that James McAvoy would be the better a better fit. So. <laughs> Very cool. All right, one more yeah. time. When is uh when and where is Rock and Shock? Uh, Rock and Shock is in Worcester, Massachusetts, October eleventh um, to thirteenth. And uh, where is the best way for listeners to find you online or your books? Okay. My laptop froze, but there you are now. I okay. see you. So yeah. I said, what was, what's the best way for listeners to find uh, you online or find your books? Uh, my Facebook is just Austin German. It'll be a picture of... Uh, my dog Titan and me at the beach and then uh, my Instagram is uh, uh, the underscore germinator <laughs> underscore <laughs> and uh, then my big cartel um, oh, let me see let me check my phone real quick I can never remember what the big cartel yeah you know called. Tony said something about uh, he gave me a, a, a web address for your big cartel too but I went to go put that in and it didn't seem to come up so i don't know if he said it wrong um it's uh austin r german dot big cartel dot com austin r german dot big cartel dot com dot com yeah 
All right. Uh, any, anything else that you'd like to add before as we wrap up? Uh, just I want to thank everybody that's ever bought a book or supported me in writing and uh, or skateboarding for that matter too. Um, keep reading and keep writing, and anybody can follow their dream. So if you want to do something, just go out and do it. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for coming yeah. on the show and and talking to me. It's been a pretty great hour. Uh, it was it was right. it was interesting to talk to you and a fun time. So, <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> and uh, if anybody would love to uh, reach me on Twitter, I'm at Mitchipedia GEM. The rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Media Network on our website geeklymedia.com but until next time this is hey mitch on the geekly media network saying always remember to geek, geek out. out this concludes our broadcast 